Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. We saw last week about this message, our salvation is near. And we saw how powerful and wonderful the salvation is. We saw the definition last week about uh, salvation that is just much, much more than God saving us to take us to heaven. That God had planned to bring us back to wholeness and restore us back to God's original plan and intention. That he can commission us for serving, to become like him, to walk like him, live like him, and to preserve for himself a people that is going to represent him here on earth and also even as we are going to go back and live on forever in the new Jerusalem. Salvation is a powerful thing. Today, even as we are continuing to learn about our salvation, we saw the definition that salvation is an act of saving us from our sin or from our evil life and from an unpleasant and unsafe situation into the newness of the kingdom of God, translating us from darkness into God's marvelous light. We saw there were different angles of salvation. For the Hebrew, it was a safety. For the Greek, it was much more. The, the, the word salvation in the Greek was far deeper. It was a restoration to wholeness. Salvation was about a kingdom of God. Salvation was about God bringing us into that beautiful kingdom. Even as we saw all these things, we saw that salvation is a powerful thing. It is not just us getting ready to go on to heaven. So today I want to take it a little deeper from where we left off last week. See, God planned a multifold salvation for us. And this plan was from heaven. You look in the Bible, when Adam and Eve had sinned, the Bible says that it was not then that God had planned a salvation. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain for our sins from the foundation of the earth. What does that mean? It means that even before man could ever sin, God had already made a plan. He had planned that he would send his son Jesus. If man who was his precious creation, if you and I would mess things up, God had already planned for his precious creation to be saved by sending his precious only begotten son Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 57 and verse 3, the Bible says he will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. You see, God loves you and me so much that he is concerned about us and the devil has been trampling upon us, destroying our life, messing with our thinking, bringing us to a place of depression, trying to lie to us. The devil is a liar and he is the father of all lies and the bible says god reproaches him who tramples upon us and that is why he will send from heaven and save us hallelujah and in this great plan god had planned for jesus to come luke's gospel 9:56 says for the son of man did not come to destroy men's life but he came to save them and i think that is the beauty about god that god is love But God is also righteous. His righteousness demands that there has to be judgment of sin. But his love demands that he himself becomes the solution for our sin. Because John's gospel 3.17, everybody knows 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if whoever should believe on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3.17, the next verse says like this, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, 
but that he might save that he might be saved through him. That Jesus primarily was not sent so that he can judge us. You see, the world was already judged by God. He didn't need to send Jesus on earth to judge us because he could just call us to that great judgment and judge us there. But he, if he sent Jesus, it was to save the whole world. Hallelujah. That was to save you and to save me. What a wonderful savior. I look back at my life and I think about the years before I got saved. How was empty. I was lonely. I was longing for that, the truth of God. And from the day I got saved, his word, he, I begin to hide his word in my heart and I begin to meditate on it. And that meditation begin to affect every area of my life. He sent Jesus, the father sent Jesus into the world so that Jesus can save the world because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This is the good news, folks. The gospel is is the good news. Romans 1.16 says that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for, to, for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Suddenly the, the salvation now was not alone for the Jew. With Jesus coming he opened it up for the whole Gentile world. He opened it up for everybody and said I want all of you to come in and I want you all to be saved that Jesus did not die only for the righteous. He didn't die only for this nation. He died. His death shook heavens and it shook the earth. Something happened when Jesus died on earth for your sin and my sin. Heaven and earth were no longer the same. And I want to proclaim today to everybody that is listening. People of God, listen to me loud and clear. For there is no other name in heaven and earth by which a man shall be saved except the name of Jesus. The Bible says in John's gospel 10 and verse 9 I am the door and if anyone enters through me he will be saved. That is good news people. The Bible says it doesn't say he may be saved. So many people around the world that believe in various faiths. They are hoping to be saved. They are anticipating maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I want you to know Jesus is saying if any anyone enters through me he will be saved the bible says jesus said i am the way i am the truth i am the life no one comes to the father except through me if you would come to jesus today he will be your way he will be your truth and he will be your life your life will change like my life changed your life would have meaning and purpose many years before i got saved my life did not have any meaning or purpose i was hopeless i didn't have a vision i didn't have anything to do with my life but from the day i met jesus I found purpose and meaning and joy. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. And I want you to know, one of the inheritance of your salvation is that you can have the peace of God. If you are living a life without peace, you are not tapping into that inheritance. You're, 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 you are forgetting to tap into all the potential of God that God has for you. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name in heaven that has been given among men that by which they may be saved. And I want you to know today, many people are trying so many different ways to be saved. People are trying their good works. Maybe if I do works, I will be saved. People are, are trying money. Maybe if I can make a lot of money and if I give money to the religious work, maybe I'll go to heaven. I want you to know, no other way in heaven has been given for a man to be saved 
except by the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we proclaim this name. That's why the name of Jesus has to be proclaimed because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. If anyone that is listening to me today, if you are not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure today if you have been saved, today is the day of salvation. Matthew's Gospel 18 verse 11 says, For the Son of Man came to seek the lost. If you're feeling lost today, brothers and sisters, I want you to know Jesus came for people like you and me. Jesus came for people like you and me who've been feeling lost, not sure about our tomorrows, not sure what we need to do by our tomorrows. And I want you to know, Jesus, he has come to save the lost. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible says, for while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Oh, this is a powerful scripture. There are two things that are being spoken of in Romans in chapter 5 and verse 10. Firstly, the Bible says, we are reconciled to God. You see, you and I, when we are saved, when we get born again, when we ask Jesus to become our Lord and Savior, firstly, we who are enemies of the cross... We become reconciled to God, which means we are no longer enemies with God. Hallelujah. That's good news for you and me. You know, he turns around our enmity and he softens the hardened heart. And he makes the enemies of God into the friends of God. That is why Apostle Paul, he said, he said that, that I was a wicked man. He, was a, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. I was an enemy of the cross. But he said, but I who was a chief of sinners, God today, he made me an example of his mercy. And I want you to know that's going to be your story. And that's going to be my story. Every one of us, maybe we have a past. Maybe you are feeling you're a chief of sinners. I want you to know God doesn't look at you like that. I want you to know that God can wipe your past away. And even though your sins are red as scarlet, Jesus can make it as white as snow. He can wash that sin away. There is no memory of the past. There is no guilt. There is no shame that Jesus cannot wash away. There is no sin too bad that his blood cannot wash away because he is the judge and he is the king. Therefore, he has the authority, sovereign right and authority to forgive all sins. And I want you to know today God loves you so much that he is going to forgive your sin. So why does God want you and me to be saved so badly? Why does God love you and me so much that he wants us to be saved? You see, that he, that's the first reason. That's a key why he wants us to be saved. He wants us to be saved because God loves us. He loves us according to his loving kindness. His love is one of the reasons why he wants us to be saved. We are furthermore created in his image. Do you know that you and I, the Bible says, we carry the image of God. One day someone came to him and said, he said, uh, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he said, bring me a coin. And he took the coin and said, whose image is on this? They said, this is Caesar's image. And he said, give to Caesar, which belongs to Caesar. And then he said, give to God, which belongs to God. You know, that was a, a powerful answer. You know why? Because he was saying, if this coin carries Caesar's image, leave the coin with Caesar. But you carry the image of God. Give yourself to God completely, 100%. Today is the day I want you to know you carry the image of God. You know why Jesus came to save you? Because you and I, we carry the image of God. 
We look like God. We carry the heart of God, the nature of God. He came to save us because he created us in his image. Because we are born of God. That's why he came to save us. We belong to God. We are not our own. We belong to God. Psalm 119 verse 94 says, I am yours. Save me. I am yours. The psalmist is crying out, I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. Today, even as we seek God, God came, left heaven and earth, came to earth to save us because we belong to God. People of God, you belong to God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Why did God come to save you? Because you are God's treasure. You know, the Bible says Jesus shared a parable about a treasure in a field. And a man who saw the treasure in the field went and sold everything he had and bought that field. And I want you to know today that you were God's treasure that were hidden in the field of the devil's kingdom. And he came because you're God's treasure. In fact, God found you worth redeeming. Many times we look down on ourselves and we think, we say, I'm nobody, I'm useless, I'm hopeless. But I want you to know you are so worth redeeming. You are so worth redeeming that God is with you. That God is for you. You are so worth redeeming. We are part of God's creation. And that's why God saw it is. And he, in fact he said this is very good. When he made everything else at creation he said this is good. This is good. This is good. But when he made man he looked and said mm, this, is, this is really good. This is very very good. So when he, he looked at man and he said very good. Which means this was outstanding. There was something about you and me that God God saw that he found outstanding in his creation and that's why God came because God also knew that we couldn't save ourselves if he knew that we could I believe God would have come to save us but God knew he couldn't save us ourselves and that is why he came to save us and God was the only one who could save us there was no one else who could save us he longed to see the salvation he longed God was longing to redeem this the salvation give the salvation to his beloved people for God alone is worthy to save there is no one else in all of creation who is worthy to be to save his people. That is why the Bible says he looked for for something, someone to save, and he said, "I found no salvation." Therefore, his righteous right arm himself he stretched it out and he decided to save. And I believe God is setting a time that you and I can be saved. We have only so much time. Some people ask, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus said he's coming back and he hasn't come. But I want you to know whether it's been 2,000 years, every one of us, we have only about 70 or 80 years. And then we all have to go. We all have the same time. And God is saying, this is the time that you need to be saved. Jeremiah 8 and verse 20 says, harvest is past. The summer has ended and we are not saved. That should not be our story. The Bible shares a story in Luke's Gospel 13, verse 23 to 30. And someone said to him and said, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? I want you to know, yes, there are only a few that are being saved. But that is not the will of God. The Bible says, for God wants everyone to be saved. He wants you to be saved. He wants me to be saved. The Bible says, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, 
I tell you will seek to enter and will not be able to enter. Many people are going to try to enter into the kingdom through the wide door. Live how they want, name the name of Jesus, mess up and disobey God, live in rebellion. Bible says many will try to enter through the broad door, but they will seek to enter but will not be able to enter. Once the head of the house gets in and shuts the door, you will begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord open to us and he will answer, I do not know where you're from then they will say we ate and drank in your presence we taught in your you taught in our streets and he will say i tell you i don't know where you're from depart from me you evil doers in that place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth and when you see abraham and isaac and jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of god but yourselves being thrown out and they will come from east and west and north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of god and behold some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last today i want you to know the time is short because god wants to deliver you he wants to deliver you from the wrath of god that is what god is delivering you and me for no wait a minute some of you might say deliver us from the wrath of god how is it that god is angry why should god be angry you see god is angry or god's wrath is a righteous wrath it is an equivalent of saying that mercy is a deliverance from the righteous judge's judgment because god is love he has to judge and when he judges he has to pass a judgment that judgment he passes is what the bible calls the wrath of god that his judged everybody has failed because they lived in rebellion and they have to go away from the presence of god so we are all worthy of the wrath of god romans 5:9 says much more than having been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of god you and i being saved from the wrath of god through him romans 1:18 says for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness the wrath of god is what we are all being saved from people of god i want you to know because ephesians 5:6 says let no one deceive you with empty words people will try to deceive you say there's no wrath of god ephesians 5:6 says let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things the wrath of god is coming upon the sons of disobedience people of god do not let anybody deceive you and me because god wants to deliver us he's a righteous god and he wants to deliver us from all the things that we have done and lived in we have lived in sin so today god is calling you and me to be saved he's calling us the whole world into salvation everybody jew and gentile god wants everybody to be saved he he doesn't want anyone to be lost first timothy 2:4 says who he who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth god doesn't want anybody to be lost and that is the jew according to romans 10:1 and the gentile according to acts 28:28 today everybody god wants everyone to be saved who does god want to be saved How, the bible goes on to say in first corinthians 121 everyone who believes the message has a right to be saved i want you to know that first corinthians 121 for since the wisdom of god the world through its wisdom did not come to know god but god was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe today if you and i believe brother sister if you would believe today 
you can be saved your name will be in the in the lamb's book of life today if you humble down don't tell me about your past god knows your past i'm here god has sent me today to tell you about your future that you can spend your future in eternity with jesus christ that you don't have to spend your life in a christless eternity because you, it, it's so hard otherwise to be saved other through other than the name of Jesus because in Matthew 16:25 says he who finds his life shall lose it and he who loses his life shall find it i want you to know if you are going to lose your life jesus wants you to receive him and you can find the lord you can be saved because of that salvation luke 18 was 18 to 27 says the rich cannot enter the kingdom of heaven because of their wealth how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom in verse 24 it is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom god is saying today i want you to turn and i want you to forget about becoming buying your way into heaven doesn't matter how wealthy you are i want you to know today god he is your salvation god is calling you to be saved he's saying today if you'll respond i will save you act 1630 says and after he brought them out he said sirs what must i do to be saved and today maybe you have that question what must i do to be saved all i want to say is repent from your sin and my sin turn around we decide because whoever calls on the name of the lord so let's start with calling on the name of the lord we shall be saved romans 10:13 says romans 10:10 says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you will be saved and i want you to know if you will turn today to god believe in your heart it's as simple as that if you will repent if you will turn to god if you will believe you will confess jesus i need you in my heart if you will confess with your mouth that jesus is your lord you which means you will proclaim you will receive him as your lord you can be saved so you can receive this free gift if you hear the message that is being preached repent from your past ways confess with your mouth you will receive the grace of god you will put your faith in him not just as your savior but as your lord and king and if you endure till the end you will be saved people of god god is calling you today and i want you to know today if anybody listening to me or any household listening to me or anybody in your household that is unsaved i encourage you challenge them to give their life to jesus as for you and your household you can be saved that's what the bible says as for me and my house we will be saved we can serve the lord we can love god believe in the lord jesus and you'll be saved you and your household act 16:31 says and so that is my dec- my cry for you that is my prayer for you you and your household will be saved today now once we are saved we need to understand a little more clarity on what the salvation is about once we are saved the moment we are saved is that when salvation begins and ends is that the moment where everything is changed or does the bible have something more to talk about this we see that salvation involves we saw that it involves a paradox of the human freedom and a divine election that it took both that god gave us the freedom to choose it's god's will that all must be saved 
And yet God has also elected us for salvation. God has chosen us and God has called us and God is asking us to give. He's, he's extended that to the whole world. He's also written down people's names in the book of life. But if we do not want to walk with him, the Bible also talks about it in Revelation 3, 5, that he can erase the names of the book of life. So it is a beautiful mix of God not wanting anyone to be lost and God's foreknowledge, knowing who will receive him as a savior and who will walk with him till the end so it's a mix of both it is the paradox of man's free will and a divine election or a choosing of God despite these kind of challenges or complexities that are involved in theological understanding of scripture the Bible simply plainly speaks about salvation in simple terms of relationship that God wants your relationship humans to be restored back to God and God wants humans to be restored back with humans. That's why he said the whole law and the prophets, the Torah and the Tanakh, they're all put together in these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. To be really restored in your relationship back with God and to be restored in your relationship with one another. So when we look in the Bible, did Jesus teach salvation by our works? Or did Jesus teach salvation by his work? Actually, the salvation that we begin into, our ushering in, our welcoming into the salvation can happen by nothing but his finished work on the cross. No amount of our good works. That Jesus Christ declares that regardless of how good we are, the cross and believing in what Jesus did for us is the only way to salvation. But Jesus goes on to teach, regardless of our profession, if one doesn't demonstrate a changed or a transformed life produced by God, that once we have come to God and then we don't walk in that salvation, the, but Jesus went on to very clearly say that such a one will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that so? Is that in the Bible like that? But haven't many, many preachers said that once you're saved, can you be unsaved or can you receive Jesus Christ and, and then can you lose your salvation? I think we need to look at the scriptures for this because if you don't look at the scriptures in a sound way, you can miss it. Is God trying to send people to hell? No, remember the scripture. Jesus came not to judge the world. He came to save the world. That's why Jesus came. So what is he coming to warn us of? He's saying, now that I've saved you, I do not want you to land up in judgment by walking away from the salvation. In Christ, we have been elected before the foundations of the world, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.4. And we have been, in hope we have been saved. In hope we have been saved. In hope of a future, we have been saved now. That's what Romans 8.24. Yet the cross is the power of God of salvation for them that are believing. 1 Corinthians 1.18 So we see that in the Bible there is yet a salvation that is waiting for us. 1 Peter 1.5 says And there is yet a salvation that lies waiting to be revealed in the last days. So wait a minute. Jesus died for us. We are saved. There is a salvation that is waiting for us. To understand this clearly we must understand in the New Testament, for Paul, salvation, he explained it in three dimensions. And I don't want you to miss this. Paul explained salvation in three dimensions. Firstly, Paul explained a past dimension of salvation, which is generally understood as our justification. 
redemption or reconciliation we were reconciled back to god we were enemies of the cross god justified us god redeemed us and he brought us back and he and he reconciled us he did these three things he made it as though we never sinned he bought us with a price made us as though we never sinned and then restored us in a relationship back to god this was the past dimension of our salvation where you and i have been delivered from the penalty of sin the past dimension of salvation is where you and i have been delivered from the penalty of sin we were shown mercy and delivered from that while the bible goes on to say the paul said that there is a present dimension today what is the present dimension paul goes on to explain that it depicts the terms of the spirit holy spirit sanctifying work sanctification is a deliverance from the power of sin from the power of sin justification is the deliverance from the penalty of sin while sanctification is a deliverance from the power of sin sin will not have power over you and me the you and i because we are saved we are no longer slaves to the flesh no longer slaves to the world we don't have to live as slaves of the world and the flesh but we can live as slaves to god and then salvation thirdly has a future dimension this future dimension is about god desiring you and me to be brought to a place of glorification the past dimension is about justification being redeemed and reconciled the present dimension is about our sanctification walking as he walked and the future dimension is about our glorification that we will be glorified into a into an immortal body and that we will live and rule and reign like he is glorified like he lives to rule and reign So let's look at these three aspects of our salvation. That our salvation is a past event. From the penalty of sin we've been saved. The finished work of Jesus on the cross was for the penalty of sin. This is not by our works. Ephesians 2 verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our transgression, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now I want you to listen to those words carefully by grace you have been saved. So the first dimension is the past dimension of our redemption our justification and our reconciliation. It is not by our works. Period. Let me say that again people of God. That is not by your works and my works. We can never be justified, redeemed and reconciled to God. by our works period no debate no discussion that puts an end to that particular aspect that is why the bible says by grace you have been saved you have been saved then it goes on in ephesians 2:8 it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself it is a gift of god the salvation the initiation into salvation where we the penalty of sin is taken care of is a gift from god he paid the penalty the penalty was not cancelled the penalty was paid people of god the penalty was not cancelled the penalty was paid 2 Timothy 1:9 says who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity it is a gift from god a holy calling 
for which we who he who saved us Titus 2:11 says for the grace of God has appeared to all men bringing salvation to all men so salvation is a past work he saved us not the, on the basis of our works our deeds Titus 3:5 but it goes on to say but according to his rich mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the holy spirit that Romans 10:9 says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved that's period that's past people of God we must understand there's firstly a past dimension of our salvation secondly the bible says that once this past dimension of our salvation is there we have been saved already then God wants us to understand the second dimension of our salvation where salvation in the present dimension where now we are being saved the bible says and i want you to know the bible said we are saved we have been saved now the second dimension which is our sanctification the bible calls we are being saved where it this sanct salvation aspect of salvation is by our works now let's look at some scriptures does the bible qualify that Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 the bible says so then my beloved just as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling by which you and i must understand that salvation is something that needs to be worked out but you might say oh jesus did all the work yes he did all the work for the penalty of sin and welcomed us into the salvation but now the salvation that we are walking in the present salvation our sanctification he's saying i want you to work out that is something that we have to work for that is something we got to do it in fact the bible says with fear and with trembling second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says but we should always give thanks to god for you brethren beloved by the lord because god has chosen you from the beginning for salvation god has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth so we see that god chose us for salvation through sanctification and let's look at that where the sanctification is two aspects one aspect of sanctification is when we are saved when we receive jesus christ that but there is an imputed sanctification god puts on us a righteousness that god puts on us a righteousness by his finished work but then there is a sanctification of righteousness god wants you and me to walk in let's look at some other verses for that second corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 says for he says at the acceptable time i listened to you and on the day of salvation i helped you Behold now is the acceptable time now is the day of salvation today today there is a present act there's a present working out of our salvation by which which we began there so if the bible says today is the day of our salvation in 2 Corinthians 6:2 then the bible continues to say in 1 Peter 2:2 the moment if today is your salvation the bible says 1 Peter 2:2 like newborn babies just born babies like today you're born like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation so which means there is a growing in respect to salvation salvation is not a one moment thing that happened alone 
Because First Peter 2, 2 says part of your salvation is a growth that you can grow in respect to your salvation. That there is a growth with your salvation. Philippians 2.12 we saw that. How we need to work out the salvation with fear and trembling. That there is a growth that comes in it. That God is, is sending ministering angels to help us. That God is sending people into our lives to teach us and, and show us how we can grow in the ways of God and the works of God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9 says, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. Things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. There are many things that, that are come alongside with the salvation. Let's look at some of these things. The Bible says, in Ephesians 6 verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation, which means there is a, it is not just an act of faith. The whole Ephesians 6, the armor of God, it's a response to the salvation gift we are given. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's a helmet of salvation we've got to put on and walk with it and fight the good warfare with the helmet of salvation. First Corinthians 15 2 says, by which you are saved if you hold fast. Don't miss the scripture. First Corinthians 15 2, by which you are also are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Unless you believed in vain, which means is it possible to believe and that belief goes in vain? Yes. Why does he say that? He says, if we don't hold fast the word, if we don't live according to that word, if we don't hold on to that truth, which means it is possible for people to believe in Jesus, to come to that salvation and then choose to walk away. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us that are being saved, thus that are being saved, it is the power of God. So we see that salvation in the Bible, secondly, is explained as a continuous action in the present time. A present continuous thing. Where we have been saved in Romans 10. He who believes in his heart and confesses with mouth shall be saved. That we are saved. We have been saved. And then there's a present continuous one. We are being saved. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this is the sanctification aspect where salvation is described as a continuous, present continuous action in 1 Corinthians 1, 18. We who are being saved, it is a present continuous action. Paul said that about us being saved because he knew this believer is in the process of being saved. So first we saw that the penalty of sin took care of the past dimension of our salvation was taken care of and in the present dimension of salvation it is the power of sin that we don't have to live in the power of sin anymore we can live a life of sanctification but the third and future aspect of our dimension is where the bible says that you and i can live free he can we will come when he comes back we will be saved it is a future dimension and this is talking about our glorification the culmination of all the saving process is when the believer experiences jesus's presence in a new resurrected body when he comes back and there's going to be a rapture and the dead in christ shall rise and then you and i who are are still alive in him will be caught up with him in the crowd clouds that is why the bible went on to say that our salvation is near 
Because the salvation which began the day we got saved, the salvation which we are working out right now with fear and trembling, that salvation will be made complete. Let's look at some of those scriptures. Matthew's Gospel 24, 13 says, But the one who endures till the end, he will be saved. How can it get clearer than that? The one who endures till the end, he will be saved. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 15 says, If any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Which means there's going to be a testing. There's going to be judgment even for the believer. It's going to be a judgment for, in fact, the context there is about the preachers who are preaching the gospel. There's going to be a judgment for the preachers of the gospel, which means people like me, there's going to be a judgment for us, whether we've been faithful to what God has entrusted to us. Hebrews 9 and verse 28, it says, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, which means when he came the first time, 2,000 years ago, having been offered once for the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. Which means his second coming has to do with salvation. The first coming had to do with paying the price for the penalty of your sin and my sin. That you and I can be saved and we can be ushered into this salvation. But the Bible says when he comes a second time, Hebrews 9.28, a second time for salvation, for saving, without reference to sin, to those who are eagerly waiting for him. His second coming, he's coming for the salvation of those who are eagerly waiting for him. It is not for those who are living according to the ways of the devil. The Bible says here that that salvation is for those who are eagerly waiting for him. That is why saints of God, God is calling you and me to live a life that's eagerly waiting for him. The present salvation, repentance of the believer is from sin. After rebuke and when we repent, you know the Bible says that the Bible is literally saying in the scripture, Paul is rebuking them and saying, he's saying I want you to turn to God, I want you to walk away from sin. Turn away that because this kind of rebuke will lead you to your salvation. That's a powerful scripture. That it will preserve you and me. That if you and I listen to the word of God, it will preserve you and me and we will walk with the Lord until his coming. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18. Here's a very interesting verse. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me Unto his heavenly kingdom. The word used there for preserve is the word we saw last week. The word sozo. Which means, Paul is literally writing to Timothy and saying, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and will sozo me, save me unto his heavenly kingdom. Which means God's going to save him. You know, you and I know Apostle Paul, his head was chopped off. It wasn't a physical protection that Paul was referring to. God was, Paul was saying, I'm, God is going to keep me and preserve me until his coming. God is keeping you and me. First Thessalonians 5, 8 says, For since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, the hope of salvation, which means there is a hope of our salvation. Salvation is something we are looking forward to. 
Salvation is something that we had. Salvation is something we are walking in. And salvation is something we are looking forward to. There's a hope of our salvation. That First Timothy 4.16 goes on to say, Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Paul is warning Timothy. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Preserve in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. People of God, God is encouraging you and me today. Be at it. Let you and me walk in this. Let us continue in this. Because God is going to preserve salvation for those who are going to endure till the end. And I think God is calling you and me that he is saving the elect for a time. That even the the Bible says even the elect will be deceived. Some of the elect will be deceived. The devil is going to try to deceive you. He's going to try to deceive me so that he can pull the elect out from God's hand and he can destroy the people that God loves. The ones that God who is able to save our souls. Jesus is able to save our souls. He wants to snatch us out from the hands of God because God has not destined us for wrath. And I want you to know that First Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God has not destined you and me for wrath, but for obtaining a salvation. Obtaining a salvation. Future. He's telling the believers of Thessalonica. He's saying God has not destined you for his wrath, but for obtaining, getting a salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's chosen us for the salvation. People of God, we were saved. We are being saved. And when he returns, we will be saved. That salvation will be made complete. That's exactly what the Bible talks about. Noah, he got in the ark and he waited for the coming of God. And I want you to know today we are also getting in that ark and we are waiting for that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the coming days. First Peter 1.5 says that a salvation is going to be revealed in the coming days. The Bible says that the salvation is yet to come. Revelation proclaimed glory and honor and salvation and power belongs to God. There is a salvation that God is going to complete in the coming days. So in closing, people of God, here's all I want to tell you. Romans 13, 11 says, because we know that the hour of our salvation is at hand. Let us awake from our sleep for now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. People of God, God is calling you and me. The hour of our salvation is at hand. The hour of our salvation is at hand. It's nearer than when we first believed. And today God is preparing you and me. And the hour of our salvation is at hand. Get ready for it. Because Jesus is coming soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in. 